You're listening to Grassroots, www.innovationstudios.com. I'm Marcus. It is the 19th of February, 2021. Another Q&A with me, picking my brains right out of my head, trying to give you as much of advice and guidance as I possibly can, as always. Well, that snow took a while to clear, and I tell you what, it is still cold. We're still locked down. We're still having a great, great time, aren't we, staring at four walls, people? It's miserable out there. But as always, I've been looking through your questions and uh, printed them off, and I've got them in front of me, and we're going to start working through. I want to start, actually, by um, giving a, a shout to a mate of mine, Oz, uh, Simon Osborne, who took the time last week after I had asked the question if uh, Monkey Business was still open uh, in Romford. He said it had closed a few years ago, but he bought his kit there um, <laughs> way, way, way back in 1992. So, um, so yeah, he took the time to actually get on to me, as a few of you did, actually, with a few of the other questions, um, and let me know. Um, so Monkey Business closed unfortunately, but uh, was a very, very popular, popular music shop. So Grassroots Music UK, aimed at those of you who are sat strumming a guitar in your bedroom, writing a few songs, playing gigs to the mirror and singing it to your hairbrush. We're going to get started with Bill from Shubury Ness. And Bill says, hi, Marcus. I just wondered, what is the best way of packing up our or and or taping down cables on stage. Um, well, this this is one of those things, Bill. Um, the one thing I can tell you, I'll start with a taping down. If you are taping a, a, a cable down, and I suggest uh, that you do as much as possible because uh, obviously it's a trip hazard and um, just make sure you're, you're covered. And a lot of things, a lot of venues... Um, not so much these days because it's kind of a given, but um, way back, sometimes in a contract it would say, you know, you, you will sign um, a disclaimer that says you will make sure that you adhere to all of the health and safety guidelines, that you will not set up in front of uh, fire doors, that you will respect all of the fire regulations and also that any cables, any tape uh, will be taped down. Uh, safely and any equipment will be stored safely and pat tested so um the the most efficient and the best way is um because you, you've got to remember that um the 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 worst thing about cables the one things that 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 does the most damage is if you you have let let's say your microphone uh your singer at the front his microphone lead drops down from his microphone goes down and then runs around the front of the stage and down towards the back where your PA is. Now, if you're going to tape that up, I know it's more tape, all right? But the best way is to is to put the tape along the lead. It runs parallel over the top of the lead. If you put the tape across it, the temptation will be there, first of all, to just rip the lead up and pull the, the tape off. And that's no good. And what that does also, apart from stretching the lead out, it means that sometimes the tape then sticks around the lead and you can't get it off. I can tell you that I've probably, over the over the years that I've been doing this, learned lessons probably the hardest way you can possibly learn them. 
I had leads that I probably only recently thrown out that still had black tape on them from, you know, 20, 22 years ago where I, I didn't, hadn't uh, taped them properly. So always tape along the lead. I know it's more tape, but it's a much safer way and it's a much easier way, actually, because all you do at the end is you just pull the tape up and along and you're done. It's cleaner. It's more precise. It does less damage to the leads. Um, and it's uh, it looks better as well. You don't want your K and and also it's not pretty much no trip hazard. If you tape every two or three feet, you might get a little loop of cable still sticking up. Whereas if you run right along, and black tape is still the best stuff. Um, the you know the 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 black tape that you can get. I believe it's called masking tape, but it really is the strong stuff. Don't be using a parcel tape. I mean, I've seen people use it. I don't know why. But that's get a nice couple of rolls of that and keep them in the gig bag because um, always keeps it a little bit safer. Less trip hazards, better health and safety and also just safer on a lead. So always take them along the lead rather than across. Um, in terms of packing them away, I mean, uh, this, this is one of those things that's probably going to get all different um, opinions, you know, to be fair. I always like to um, kind of fold it in half, then fold it in half again, fold it in half again if it's long enough, and then tie a very, very loose knot in it. Like very, very loose. Just link it up. There are other people who like to wind them around the arm. Um, there are other people who have maybe cable ties. If you've got a box of cable ties, wrap it around the arm and just put a cable tie in the middle of it. Some of the leads have a little bit of um, Velcro on anyway, so that enables you to, to be able to do that. Um, other ways I've seen, um, I've seen that you can buy these little cable leads, uh, like uh, not, not cable leads, they're like, like little cable um, frames almost that you wrap them around. Um, and they become, you know, that that's one way of doing it, and that's a safer way. Um you know, there, there are a million ways of, of doing it and everybody has a different way. But the most important thing is to never pull them too tight. And uh, I, I just always fold them in. So, so I have, let's, let's say I've got a microphone lead. I get both ends of the lead together. I pull it all out and then I have, I halve that again, halve it again if I can. And then tie a very loose, sort of make a very, very loose uh, knot in it. But very loose, just enough to hold it. Poke it in the bag, it shouldn't come undone. But I've done that, and people who are ex-sound men or people who are sound men have looked and gone, oh, no, it's not like that. You've got to wrap it around the arm. The most important thing is you don't stretch any of the cables or pull any of the cables. It's like sometimes when you run the cable around the side, it might get caught on something. Just pulling it, you know, never do that because it could be caught on something and you could yank it straight out and break it. So try and feed it along and, and poke it through, you know. The temptation is always there when you want to get home at the end of the night, you're wrapping up your leads. You just want to pull and pull and just trying to get everything to come together. It doesn't work like that. Um, the other thing is, you know, taking the leads out of the bag, you get spaghetti jun- junction and you, you look down and you say, oh, I've got one. I've got one end of the lead. If I just pull it, the other end of the lead should come out eventually. It probably will, but it'll probably, you know, come out in with a couple of loose bits in it or you're tugging on the lead. So wrapping them up, there are probably a plethora of of options online on YouTube. Uh, Bill, 
with the best advice. But my advice, um, halve it, halve it again. Tie a very loose knot in it that, that doesn't put any pressure on the lead. And then poke it in the bag and make sure it's safe. All right, mate, thanks for your question. Uh, next question, Gina from Minster. Hi, Marcus. Do you need to be able to read music to get on? Uh, no, you don't, Gina. Um, some some musicians, of course, classical musicians and things like that, you know, um, you need to be able to read music, of course, and it's, it is important um, if you're serious about music that you do some grade work and that you do learn about things like that because, you know, these things... Are, are always handy to know but the if the truth be told um you know there there are a million ways to make a million pounds and you can you know if you if you um are, are a good performer and a good player and a, and a good guitar player or singer or whatever you don't need the music in front of you you know um i doubt very much that a lot of these people you know, the Rolling Stones and the Who and all these famous ones, Status Quo, Paul McCartney, etc. The, uh, the the usual suspects. Um, I doubt very much that they that they could. They, they probably can, but I doubt that they saw being able to read music as, you know, the most important thing. I think it was more important. You need to be able to, to read, you know, top line music. Um, and from a guitar player's point of view, you need to be able to understand what a bar is what the note uh, the note values mean and things like that because if somebody gives you a a chord chart or a piece of music where you're just following the chords at the top you still need to be able to differentiate between where the bars are and where the bars stop so you need to maybe a a, a basic understanding of uh, time signature um of the italian phrases you know, allegro pianissimo uh, fortissimo forte you know all of those sort of things um, and also just to understand what the staff is. And it's it's never a bad thing to learn, but if you're creating a song, you know, it's a case of a tape recorder on the side or an MP3 recorder on the side. It's it's not really noted out anymore because, you know, technology has changed. I would, I'd have a fairly safe bet that, you know, if, if Beethoven and Mozart were around today, they probably wouldn't be scoring every single piece of music. They probably would be demoing it on a piano somewhere and then adding something to it and adding something to it. And then once everything was created, they would probably then score it all out. But I think one of the reasons that they did score it was because that was the only way of getting that music to be played by somebody else. And it was the only way that uh, Mozart could send his music to to another city or another another country, maybe. And they could play that music because he had scored it out and written it all out. So it's like nobody sends letters anymore because we've got email. Nobody really sends email anymore because we've got text. So I think with technology, um, being able to score music and being able to understand music and read music is not, in my sincere opinion, as somebody who's not that proficient at it, or at least as not as proficient as I'd like to be. It's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that you're able to um, pass your ideas on or or play these songs by just writing down what the chords are. As long as you understand what a bar is, you understand what um, a, a time signature is, you understand what the speed is. You don't need to be a grade 8 musician to play a grade 8 piece of music. You just need to have a good ear, a good understanding and a good uh, knowledge of your instrument and 
and or your voice, Gina. But um, no, I mean, if you want to learn them, you learn them and it's important. But it's not the most important thing. When you first learn something, just get a tune out of it. doesn't matter what it is. Okay? Thank you, Gina. Thanks for your question. Innovation Studios has all the tools you would need to bring your music to life. Get in touch to book a free consultation. This is our opportunity to chat about your music, listen to demos, and if you're unsure, find which pricing would fit you best. There are no hidden costs. Once a booking is made and price agreed, there are no further hidden charges. Our team at Innovation Studios are professional musicians, and we know that sometimes a recording may run into an extra hour or an extra day, but your original price will stand. Guidance that will help you make a great-sounding album at an affordable price. www.innovationstudios.com Now this one comes from a way away. I told you I was branching out. This one is from Jack. And Jack is in Mexborough. I believe, Jack, that Mexborough is in Yorkshire, isn't it? I think it's... Uh, I'm sure Mexborough is, is uh, in Yorkshire. Um, at least, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. It's cer- certainly around that way. Um, anyway, Jack says... Jack in Mexborough says... Hello, Marcus. I love your podcast. What is the best way to get my albums on digital media? Do I need to have a record company involved? Not these days, Jack. No, um, I have my. I mean, I have my own record company, um, Innovation Records. But um, that's that's my own creation, and it's not a, a, a you know a multinational record company. That's just what I release my albums under. Um, these days, it's fairly easy. There are a few options, a few different ways of doing it. You don't need a record company. Things have changed, uh, Jack, in as much as, you know, probably 25, 30 years ago, a, a, a record company would sign your band, probably give you a certain amount of money and say to you, you know, go and promote your album. We'll put this money behind you. We'll, we'll pay to have your first album done and things like that. Um, that started changing with as social media changed. And... There have been several successful artists and several successful bands that had a big following. Um, and, and certainly in recent times, Jack, um, although I'm not a huge fan of TikTok, there are artists on TikTok who have released, who have a big following and then release a song. And of course, people buy it because they have a big following because of the TikTok or, uh, you know, generation, things like that. So. Um, there, there are lots of different ways now of getting the music heard. It's not just a case of sending a demo off to a record company and then they'll say, we like what you do. We're going to give you a two album deal. And um, these days you kind of have to do the groundwork yourself. And then a record company, if they if they even come to you, which a lot of them these days, it's not, it's not as common. Um, will come to you once you've, once you've done the donkey work, they'll come to you because you're making a big enough noise, Jack. They'll come to you because you, they'll suddenly look on um, on Spotify and they'll say, oh, you've got, you know, all these thousands or these millions of, of, of plays. Or they'll look on YouTube and they'll say, this guy's got, you know, two or three million subscribers on his, for his music. And then what will happen is the record company not necessarily will give you an album deal, but they'll give you a, dis- a distribution deal where they'll want a little profit by investing money into your album maybe um you know because you've got the following 
So they're not going to throw the money behind you these days and then you build up and get a following. And I've, I've had experience of record companies over the years, um, many years ago now, because I just stopped, you know, I, I got to the point where I stopped chasing the dream. But way, way back, they'd say, you know, we wanted to put you, do this, and we want to put you on tour for a year, playing like everywhere. They, they give you the itinerary and you think, this is craziness, you know. And at the end of it, if you didn't, if you didn't have enough uh, of a fan base, you know, that, that was, uh, you know, they'd look at it and say, we hadn't really done the job. You hadn't really done what we expected you to do. I mean, very few people um, get signed who don't have any fans, you know, the, certainly these days, certainly it's changed. Years ago, it was that was the case that a record company executive or a, or a PR man or something like that would see something, A&R man, I should say, would see something in you that he felt people would buy into, and it was his, his opinion. Whereas these days, by the time the record company comes to you, you've already got your million subscribers on YouTube. You've already got you know, uh, thousands of listeners on Spotify. You've all already got your music being used on TikTok and stuff like that. So, no, you don't need a record company involved, um, Jack. Now, I will tell you that the site that I use to release my music through is uh, called TuneCore. T-U-N-E-C-O-R-E. TuneCore. And what they do is they distribute your music and they and you pay them a fee for a year. It's a, it's a yearly fee, an annual fee, um, and they distribute your music to all of these uh, digital media outlets. So Spotify and all of them, iTunes and Apple Music and everything you can name of, you, you can think of, it's there. In my Amazon Music, my, the, 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 the matching albums are on... Um, every single digital digital media outlet that you can think of. Um, and all I do is I pay a yearly fee to TuneCore and they promote it and you have to upload your music to them and you have to put the information in yourself. Uh, you upload it as a WAV file and you go on the, on the website and have a look at it, Jack. It's pretty good. But if you're going to do it, do it properly, do it professionally. You know, have some nice artwork that you also have to upload sleeve notes and things like that that you you have um you can create yourself and the music make sure that you don't put any covers on there the music you own the rights to the music you sign a disclaimer that says you own the rights to the music and your track listing is done your um artwork is done and then if there's any songs that have uh, explicit lyrics or anything like that or guest artists or anything like that it's what they call the um the tagging isn't it the 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 tags so the MP3 tags and things like that. So everybody knows, you know, the creator of it. Um, and then you, you do it and you can you can set up your release date. You can set up, you know, a, a promotional month where they might re there's, there's, release a little bit of your album. It really is. Um, I, I find it great. I've been with them for about five or six years and um, they've been they're always so helpful. They're always so good. And it doesn't cost you an arm and a leg to get an album on digital media. You know, I mean, I, I can't, off the top of my head, I can't think, but it's not hundreds and hundreds. And you pay this fee for a year and you get your, your album on digital media. You get to keep the profits that come through. You know, they let you know what you've made and you download from that, transfer it into your bank account or whatever. Um, 
and all you do is you pay them because you own the rights to the music and what they do is they give you a, a platform and help you to get your music out there. I mean, it's everything you can think of, Shazam, uh, Deezer, um, everything. And they also have a deal where you can take monetary um monetary uh, monetization i think it's called from youtube so if you want your music on youtube they they sort of cover everything so tunecore have been uh brilliant for me um and i've got my music out there and and the record company record companies these days are more interested in uh, distribution deals and and uh downloads digital downloads and success and tours and things like that rather than investing in an artist with no fan base. Um, if you have a fan base, um, then they might come to you because they they look at it and they go, if we sign this guy, he's already got a fan base of, you know, half a million. So if we sign this this guy and, and everybody buys an album, you know, then, then we stand to make that amount of money. So you can release your music on your own, Jack. You can release it independently. You can you can set it up and through your own record company, and uh, you know just come up with a name of your of your own record company, and then put it on TuneCore and get it out there. There probably are other options, but I just find that one to be the best one uh, for me. So good luck with it, Jack. And I hope that um, if you'd like to be a guest at some point, if your music does do well, remember where you heard it first, mate. Come and. Uh, Come and do an interview with me. Thanks for your question, Jack. Andrew, now how about this for branching out? We've gone from Mexborough and now we're in Sheldon. Now that is Birmingham. I don't know of another Sheldon. Um, but it's Andrew. Andrew in Sheldon. And Andrew says, Hi Marcus, I hope you're well. I wondered what are the best and easiest way to create some drum beats. Um, hello, Andrew. Now, there are a few things, a few options. Um, in recent times, um, if it's fast and easy drum beats, then, um, it's a case of, I've been using hydrogen drums. I think they're called hydrogen and they, uh, nice and simple to use and really, really get some solid, solid sounds from that. Um, also, um, I have, um, I think it's, uh, I use Traction or Sonar with um, MT Power drum kit, which has lots of loops on. Um, but there are so many different options. If it's just a case of keeping it simple, then you still can't really beat a drum machine. Just get yourself a cheap little drum machine. And I mean, if you think about these people over the years and, and, and think about some of these great songs... You think about the fact that uh, I can think of three off the top of my head. Uh, Beat It by Michael Jackson. It's a drum machine. Um, Night Changes by One Direction. It's a drum machine. Um, Back for Good by Take That. It's a drum machine. It's so easy. And a lot, of, particularly a lot of the 80s and 90s, lots, loads of drum machines. So you can't really beat something like that. And you don't have to get a brand new one. Um, Andrew, you can pick up a second-hand one on eBay. Um, there was a Boss Doctor Rhythm were were really really good. Um, people could pro- maybe drummers would probably give you slightly better advice than than I would, but keep shopping around on there and don't um, you know don't don't spend a fortune because 
you know, what I like about hydrogen drums and what I like about the MT power, power kit, and I'm sure countless others as well, um, drum loops and, and various grooves and things like that, is that it's really, really nice that you're able to program the drums and it's quite simple to do it. And then you're able to save each of those drums as a separate WAV file or a separate audio file that you can then mix. So you can then, you know, because I always think when you're mixing drums, as I've said before, probably weeks ago, drum kit needs to kind of breathe a bit of life. It has to have a little bit of life to it. It has to, you know, the snare needs to be in the middle, but the, the toms need to be slightly off center and stuff like that. But when you're programming it, you know, you can, the structure of the song, um, you can kind of program that in. So there's eight bars of chorus and then it breaks down. And then, so it's important to get a bit of paper and write, plan the song out beforehand. So you know what you're typing in, um, you know, eight bars of four, four. And then there's a, a bar of um, two bars of uh, one, one breakdown bar. And then, uh, you know, it picks up and then you can program your drums in, take your time on it. And then at the end of it, you can tap it all in, save the song, and you can save the individual drums as individual wave files or audio files that you can then mix. So hydrogen, which I'm struggling to say today, mate. I've got somebody else's teeth in, um, is a very good one. MT Power drum kit's a very good one. Um, but if it's just really simple stuff, just get get yourself a drum machine. They, you know, they're not they're still around and and uh, pick up. An old one these days for coppers, mate. Pretty much pennies, and um, and they'll do you a turn. And and if it's just a case of firing off some fast demos, and you need a drum behind it, on top of that, there's I'm sure there are plenty of sites on um, the internet where there are drum loops that you're able to create and put together. So, yeah, I mean hydrogen drums or <laughs> or tracks and drums are the are the two that I've used for the last two albums. The first two albums were uh, a friend of mine um, recorded some drum loops for me in his studio. Um, and um, then he sent them to me and I kind of wrote the album and used used those. Um, but I couldn't really edit them how I wanted to edit them. And although I'm proud of the first two albums, it's only the, the third album and, and, the, and the fourth album, which is on the way, um, where things are starting to take shape. It's very much, you know, um, Matt Hitching, who did the drum loops for me, um, sort of just did drum loops. But the third album, using the program drums, I was able to drum for the song. And the new album with hydrogen drums, I'm able to drum for the song. So um, that sounds better because of that. But, yep, kept it. keep it simple, uh, Andrew. Just um, drum machine is still, still a good and effective way. Nikki in stock, I'm assuming towards or just the other side of Billericay. Are you Billericay, Nikki? <laughs> I'm sorry, Nikki. I'm really sorry. Nikki in stock says, do you need to mic drums in pubs? Um, no, you don't, Nikki. Um, I think sometimes it's always good to... Um, it, obviously, it depends on the size of the pub. I mean, you're talking about the cauliflower in Ilford, then, yeah, people would mic the drums up in there. It was a huge place. You wanted to get heard. If you're talking about the dog and duck or the king's arms, no, you don't. But now and again, sometimes it's nice to just have a little bit of kick. So maybe just put a microphone on the kick drum 
and just have that coming out at you know out of the PA, but just very very lightly. You don't want it thumping, but just that can get lost in the mix sometimes the kick drum. So it's nice just mic that up a little bit and and to just have a tiny bit of that. But you've got to be careful with that because if you overdo it, um, you can pop your speakers. So it's really just bringing a, a just a little bit to bring it out of the mix. Um, but no, I don't think you need to mic drums in in a pub. And if you if you do, um, even something like the cauliflower, we used to um, I think we used to mic the kick. And then we used to mic the snare and we used to have maybe one overhead that was kind of just to one side that would just pick up the toms and the floor tom. And um, we didn't we kept it pretty simple. I think we may even have just had two overheads, might not have even mic'd the snare, just had one on the kick and then an overhead each side, which picked up everything. Um, but we had to position it in such a way that it didn't pick up an awful lot of the symbol. It was it was a case of we just wanted that sound to be moving and we like the nice natural sound so we kept it simple but no i think there's probably only a handful of pub gigs that i've ever played where we've mic'd the kit so um no nicky you don't need to maybe a little bit on the kick drum um but that's about it mate keep it simple innovation studios hoodies Many colours and sizes available. Our logo proudly emblazoned on the front. The back can be personalised with your name or your nickname or anything you want as long as it isn't too shocking. Click to order online www.innovationstudios.com Amy in Thurrock. Hi Marcus. You referenced being a care home entertainer in a recent podcast. I just wondered if you have any advice as I'm looking to get into it too. Oh, that's great news, Amy. That's great. Um, yeah, I, I suppose um, it's a different audience. It's a different atmosphere. And it's a different you. Um, playing a care home show is a very lonely experience, actually, because the sound isn't that loud. You, you know, you have to learn how to sing in a certain way so it's no good going in and being able to belt out loud stuff you have to learn how to how to be adaptable how to get the same result with um because you don't want to go in and play songs in original key if you're singing soul and motown or anything like that i'm not suggesting you are amy but um so you have to maybe look at your tracks a little bit maybe take them down half a step so that you're able to sing them in a comfortable way and then and you're not belting too much, you know what I mean? And you're keeping the volume down to a reasonable level. You would not believe how quiet you've got to be when you go and do one. Um, the other thing as well is to be versatile. The other thing as well is to play things and songs from that generation, if you like. And the the good thing about things like that is... You know, you you have to be able to find some old school songs. And I think what everybody makes the mistake here, Amy, is is that people think that when they go and play a care home, they've got to sing, you know, old war stuff and stuff from the 30s. But you've got to remember that somebody now of 80 was born in 1941. And 
would have been 21, 22 when the Beatles broke. So that's always important to remember that a lot of these people are older than you, are younger than you think they are, you know, in as much as when you're putting a set together. You know, I'm not saying 20 years ago you didn't have to play old stuff, of course, but this generation. So somebody of 80, you know, it, it was born in 1941 and therefore was 22 or 23 when the Beatles broke and therefore would have been um, all the way through sort of the 60s, would have been in their 20s. And as glam rock came along, probably still involved in a little bit of that. And then their kids came along and the kids were listening to probably... Um, the late 70s stuff um, or and as the kids became teenagers the teenagers were probably listening to stuff from 1982 83 84 you know while these people were parents and the stuff that I listen to now my daughter plays One Direction and I sort of go oh you know One Direction that's that's you know that's what they would have had their daughters would have been playing Wham and 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 uh, Culture Club and um, you know Mark Almond um Soft Cell, Tainted Love, um, and Human League and Depeche Mode and uh, Adamant and all of that stuff from the early 80s, probably even ABBA, you know, the end, towards the end of the 70s and things like that. So if you've got a set that sort of encapsulates some of that and has sort of, you can do some some uh, Cilla Black and some soulful songs and some some really, really great songs, but you can pretty much do, you know, anything from that, era as long as it isn't too loud and as long as you're not trying to make anybody get into it when they don't want to that's the other thing to remember as well let them kind of dictate the pace don't get in their face you know let them sit there and uh, and enjoy it and but also be prepared that you might finish a song and get nothing and, and by nothing i mean nothing you can finish the song and go thank you and the only thing you can hear in that room is the clock ticking it's but you know what amy i love it and i love it because these people you're giving them a saturday night on a tuesday afternoon you know or or a thursday morning you're giving them a saturday night and some of the ones i've played they'll come down and they've got their bottle of wine they've got their suits on their dresses on they're ready for a party you know and it's midday on a thursday (laughs) and you're giving them a saturday night so you can be versatile, Amy, but the most important thing is that you're fun. I think if visually, you know, you put on a good show, I think if you're accessible, if you're smiling, um, you know, but be prepared that now and again you might smile at somebody and they might just scowl at you because they're not having a good day. I mean, it's it's the most honest, you know, environment. I've, I've played some care homes where I've finished off and said, thanks very much, good night, you know, and, and they've said... Um, as I've been packing away, somebody's been being moved out and the carer will say, did you enjoy that, Marjorie? And she'll say, nah, not really. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's that kind of instant uh, feedback. I <laughs> say, so, okay, well, she didn't like that then. Um, but yeah, I think just go for it. Um, I think it's no good trying to play anything from the, the you know, modern stuff. But apart from anything else, not that it's not great music or not that it wouldn't go down well, but it is. it tends to be banging, you know, bass drum, kicking, dance stuff, and that's just not what they want. It's nice to be versatile. It's nice to have maybe two or three different themed shows that you're able to do. 
I think just going in as Amy, the singer, or Amy, but it's nice if you can go in as a themed singer that maybe does a 60s set, a 70s set, maybe a soul set, or maybe a, you know, an old old school music hall set, or something like that. You know what I mean? Have a think about it. But you won't really know until you try, Amy. And I suggest that you try. And I'll I'll give you any advice that you need. And if you have a bad one, you know, or, or a show doesn't go that well, drop me an email, you know, and, and because we still get it. Cheryl, my, you know, my other half, Cheryl gets it. And, you know, unfortunately, Cheryl no longer performs in a care home. It's not because she's, she'd had enough of it, but just because of the situation, she's not been able to, to do it anymore. And I've said to her, you know, just take a break. It's not worth it. Now you can go back to it in a couple of years, focus on other things for a while. But Cheryl used to get a lot of different feedback from people and, and she never did anything wrong. It's just sometimes, you know, if you take things to heart or these the, the, the atmosphere can be quite intimidating and, and fairly quiet and you can go out of there thinking, well, I didn't like that. And then, you know, an hour later you get a phone call from the agent who says, they loved you. And you go, really? You know, they loved me. I wouldn't want to see them if they didn't like me much. They never said anything. So that's how it is, Amy. But very, very good luck with it. I'm going to finish with this question. Rob. In Eastwood, mate, you could have um, you could have posted this question from a letterbox from Eastwood. Hi, Marcus. Is it easy to turn on and off the creative process? Um, no, it takes time, Rob. Um, I think it's um, one of those things. Anybody listening to this who is a musician, but particularly anybody listen listening to this who's married to a, a musician or you know, in a relationship with a, a musician, will know that there will be times when you're out for a romantic meal or you're you're talking, and they'll suddenly just put a hand up and stop you and go, "Hang on, sorry. Oh, sorry, I've got to make a note of this. This song needs to be in my set." So you will know. I feel your pain. I know where you're coming from, but I can't change it. I am that person. Somebody will be telling me something, and I go, "Hang on, what? Yeah. Oh no, I've got to get this song in my set." It happens. That's that's what can happen sometimes, uh, Rob. But no, I found in recent times because um, in, in my particular case, that's all I can really liken it to. If I want to write a song, invariably I I can, but it's never as good as if it comes to me. And I think you you have to get used to the buzz. You have to get used to the creative process, and you have to you have to kind of get the experience one thing that you can't have when you first start no matter how good you are is experience once you get experience and you learn about audiences and maybe what they want and things like that um then you're able to look at your game but the most important thing is there is a point rob where you're able to just leave it in the studio where you'll go out for the night and you won't even think about music until you have to and um that takes a while in terms of my situation i mean i have um as i say the fourth album is is pretty much just in the mixing and mastering stages um and i haven't really written a song because that album was already written before i did 20 forever it's uh, as i've talked about before i did the first two albums and then i was working on lonely in a crowded room and i had all of these new songs coming along and i decided to work on those first 
because uh, the album 20 Forever had to come out in 2020. It couldn't come out in 2021. Wouldn't have worked. So it had to come out then. So when I finished that album and that came out in, I think it was June or July of, of 2020, I then started, had a few months and I started working on this album, Lonely in a Crowded Room, which comes out this year. But I haven't written anything else for the matching. I've written a couple of other styles, other songs um, for the Men of Earth album, which uh, for those of you who are interested, that's still still have the vocals to do in that. And then we'll be mixing it and that will be out soon. But we can't get together at the moment, uh, Arthur and I, to get that finished. And that's that's beginning to get annoying because we kind of we've already got three or four ideas for the next album and we can't do anything until this one is finished um but I just felt like if I didn't yeah I I was able to just walk away from creating songs I didn't feel you know I think you have to be in a certain headspace for the songs to come to you and you learn over time to just switch that off and they don't come to you unless you want them to um, I had a chat with uh, young Anna, who I work with, Anna Reynolds, and I said to her, it's the headspace you need to be in. It's not the songs. If you're in a certain headspace, I suppose in a way, if I see music as being a spiritual thing, and I think it is, then spiritualist mediums will know that they have to be in a certain state of mind or a certain state of consciousness in order to receive, let's say, messages from the other side. Um, if they're not in that state of consciousness, then they won't receive those messages. It's not like they're sat there during the day watching TV and these people are flooding through their front room. They have to kind of get themselves in a uh, a state of mind or a conscious state. That I mean, I, you know, this is this this is from from the mediums that I've spoken to, and my nan um, was one. Um, And music's the same. I think if you're in a conscious state, a particular state of mind where you're able to reach up and take ideas, then you will reach up and take ideas. But if you if you don't think about it, you go, no, you know, I know, I know that creative person, that I know that creative part of my personality, I know that creative part of my soul, my being, and if I'm able to just sort of not be that, then. I'm able to leave it and get on with my life. It's handy to have now and again, and because if you're able to find that part of your persona, that part of your makeup, then it means that now and again you can tap into it if you need to. Someone says, I've got this idea for a song, and you immediately kind of tap into it. But most importantly, uh, Rob, you can leave it at the door, and you can focus on doing your shopping, doing your ironing, watching your telly, and most importantly, taking your wife or your husband out for a nice meal and making them the centre of attention instead of listening to songs on the jukebox and making a little careful note of what you're doing. So you can switch off the creative process, but it takes time, Rob. That is it. That is another 42 minutes of your life you can't get back. But I hope you enjoyed it today. I enjoyed it. I always enjoy it. I love doing what I do. It's frustrating to not be able to do it at the moment, to to not be able to perform and to not be able to play shows and, you know, have the lights and and the shaking hands at the end and meeting people. That's frustrating. But I still love what I do. I love receiving your questions. Please keep them coming. 
um, and I'll continue to be as entertaining as I can. I'll continue to be as honest as I can and I'll continue to do the best that I can for everybody that listens to these grassroots podcasts. There are some new interviews coming up. I have to mention that. Um, I'll touch on that next week, but I'm going, I have a list at the moment of a few people that I've approached and I've spoken to, and there are some nice surprises in that. Um, So I'm really looking forward to uh, putting some time aside to record some new interviews. I'll touch on that next week, which will be the 26th of February. But tonight is the 19th of February. I hope you've enjoyed it. I will be back next Friday. As always, www.innovationstudios.com. I will see you then. Yours in music, signing off. Bye-bye for now.